give thanks to the Lord and pray to him. Tell the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praises to him. Tell about all of his miracles. Um, this is one of my favorite times of year because of all the color that God gives us. And sometimes the, if you go out at, when the sun's setting and the, you look at the sunset and the beautiful paintings that God paints for us, he loves us, y'all. And let's worship him now. Won't you stand? We'll begin our service this morning singing a beautiful song before the throne of God above. Three of our 
old hymns that are beautiful that speak about God's light. And I like to read a scripture that comes from 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declares to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Praise the Lord. Within each one of these songs, there's a little intro before the next song. Let's enjoy. Shining 
Given there's several ways that you can give the boxes in the back um, that you can drop your check into, or you can go to Cypress Street Church. I mean, slash, um, forward slash give and give that way, or you can do like we do just go to your app on your phone with your bank, tell them to send the check, cost them the, the money. Um, we sure appreciate it. Rebecca and Scott for giving up their time and, and uh, driving over here and bringing us the message. I just pray that, you know, maybe things will change. And <laughs> at the end of the year, your minds may be changed. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but we do love you and we appreciate you. And you don't need an introduction at our place, but we have become, y'all have come very dear to my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Donna, for that, those kind words. And, um, you know, I, I'm thankful for her and those who come and serve week after week as being a part of the worship service or the worship team who prepares songs and practices together. And just it just takes effort on part of people to be committed to do something like that. So I appreciate them. We give praise to God, but I want to applaud them, too, also this morning. So thank you. Um, for those of you who help make the worship service what it is. Thank you for being here, because if you weren't here, it wouldn't be a worship service either, would it? So we're thankful that, uh, that you're here and that you made an effort and you made a decision to come out to God's house this morning. We're, I'm glad that you did. Uh, today we continue the I Am series, uh, that as we study the seven I Am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. So part one from last week was from John chapter 6. I am, anybody remember it? The bread, right. I am the bread of life. So we read um, just after the miracle in which Jesus 
miraculously provided food for the bellies of 5,000 men, along with all the women and the children that were there also. Remember that miracle, the feeding of the 5,000? It was just after this that Jesus declares to the crowd that He is the bread of life. The bread that provides spiritual, life-sustaining food. Spiritual food for eternal life. And when the crowd asked Jesus for more bread, which they're accustomed to do, Jesus, we read in John 6.35, Jesus' response, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And again in verses 48 through 51, we read Jesus comparing himself to the manna that came from heaven during the days of Moses and the Israelites. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. So that was last week. I am the bread of life. The spiritual food for us providing eternal life for all who will believe in Him. In Him, the Son, who was sent from heaven to save us. So this week, we'll move to chapter 8 and chapter 9. And we're going to be considering the second I Am statement of Jesus. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John eight twelve. if you want to read with me, you can. Or it's also printed in your bulletin. John 8 chapter, I mean John chapter 8 verse 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. The light of the world. What an awesome statement. Are you ready to get into this? All right. So to better understand why Jesus would refer to himself this way, maybe it would be good if we try to understand a little more about darkness. About darkness. Maybe you wouldn't admit it here today in this room with everyone else watching and listening, but is anyone here scared of the dark? (laughs) Currently at this stage of your life, or maybe in a previous stage of your life, I wouldn't be surprised to get some nods of, yes, I've been afraid of the dark, or I am still afraid of the dark, whatever the case might be. It's not unusual, is it? I remember as a kid having my moments of fright in the night. (laughs) Um, When, uh, you know, I I grew up in Oak Grove as rural community, and we didn't even live in the town of Oak Grove, you know. We lived out, out in the country, you know. So um, the one light that we had on our property, I don't remember the last time it worked. (laughs) It burned, you know. So it gets really dark out there, and you know, it's really pretty to be able to see the stars at night and all that. But as a kid, when it was my time to take the trash out to the burn barrel back behind the shed, it was kind of, you know, you were walking along carrying the bag of trash, and (laughs) you know, as soon as you get outside the light from the carport, you kind of get into a little trot, you know, right? And, um, and you drop it off real quick and get back. As you don't know what might be lurking in the dark, right? 
And um, I remember one time uh, we we had to we left we lived with our grandparents for a few months, and um, in the same community. And I remember in their house during the summertime we were there. They ran the attic fan. You know what an attic fan is, right? And they had the windows open, and they had the attic fan going, and the the, the curtains were just blowing, you know. And, and I was in bed at night, and um, and the the windows were open, and I hear the windows to my back. I'm laying in bed, and I hear something that sounds like growling outside the window, and you know, and I'm I'm just kind of uh, I'm afraid to turn around and even look to face what it might be, so I'm just hiding under the covers, right? But Afraid of the dark. Maybe you're the type of person who likes horror movies, or maybe you like haunted houses where you walk through a dark maze anticipating what might be about to jump out at you around the corner. Maybe that's you. I don't know. Me, I'm not a fan. It seems that scary things hide in dark places, or at least our imaginations tell us so. But darkness can indeed be a scary place. Spiritually speaking, darkness is nowhere you want to be. Spiritual darkness is the state of a person who is living apart from God. Living apart from God, separated from God. That's spiritual darkness. Matthew records in chapter 4, just after the account of Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness, we alluded to that some last week about the bread. But um, Satan, was, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness just as he was beginning his ministry. And at the end of that, in chapter 4, Matthew quotes the prophecy of Isaiah about the Messiah. It says that Jesus withdrew into Galilee to begin his ministry. And then this quote from Isaiah, Matthew gives. The people who were sitting in darkness. And remember, we're painting the picture of here what it is, of what darkness is like, and why we need the light. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and the shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. That's Matthew chapter 4. Let me see. If I can get the exact verse, I didn't write it down. That's verses, verse 16, Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, if you want to read that later. Here, Matthew ties Jesus to the Messiah prophecy, indicating that those who've come to know God through Jesus, His Son, are the ones who've been delivered from spiritual darkness and now walk in the light of God's life. Spiritual darkness is a real thing. And our only hope for escaping it is through Jesus, the light of the world. Appreciated uh, Donna feeling led to um, share about Adam and Eve because I wanted to share something about them too. From the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, humans have lived in a fallen world. All people are born in a, a fallen state, a state of sin and separation from God. And what did I say about separation from God earlier? That is what spiritual darkness is. 
separation from God. Until a person is reborn by God, he or she lives in spiritual darkness. Sin darkens our understanding and destroys our, our vision, our spiritual vision, keeping us in darkness. Proverbs 4, 9 eloquently says, But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And Moses said in Deuteronomy 28, comparing being in a state of sin and disobedience, he compared it to groping around like a, like a blind person in darkness. Living in rebellion to God and to His will is like also darkness. Living in spiritual darkness. When the Lord commissioned Paul, he said, and we read in Acts chapter 26, verses 17 through 18, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So God was telling Paul, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. Because why? Because they're in darkness. They're in darkness. The Apostle Paul goes on to describe those in a sinful state before coming to know Christ as possessing a darkened, closed mind. Ephesians 4, 18 says, Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. So here, another picture of darkness. Separation from God. John taught that God is light. And I believe that was read already um, from our worship team, so I appreciate that. 1 John 1, 5 through 6 says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Here's talking about living in darkness again. We are not practicing the truth. So what John is saying here is that to live in fellowship with God is the opposite of living in darkness. And if we say that we're living in fellowship with God, but we keep on living our dark ways, we're not really remaining in fellowship with God, who is light. So we can see, I'm painting the picture of darkness here. We can see spiritual darkness is a scary place. It's a scary place. A place where we're separated from God. So where is our hope in this darkness? It's in Jesus, right? Jesus, the light of the world. The darkness of this world, the darkness of our minds, the darkness of our hearts. That's why we need Jesus. Jesus declared, and I'll read it again, John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
Spiritual darkness, that scary place, that separation from God, that not having fellowship with God, it's scary. But that separation from God, that darkness is overcome through Christ. We can read in John, not 1 John, but John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. We're going to be in John a lot over the next few weeks. But John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, speaking of Jesus, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Another uh, translation says the darkness has not overcome it. Through our relationship with Christ, our fellowship with God is restored. The separation that was there because of sin is done away with. Our fellowship with God is restored. And we're transferred from a place of darkness to a place of light. Now I'm sure we're probably all familiar with the classic scenario of good versus evil. Light versus darkness. I mean, even in our movies and in our novels of modern time, and in life in general, it shows us this. this there's really something to this epic battle of good versus evil, light versus darkness. In the poem, Paradise Lost, was anyone ever assigned to read that in school? <laughs> John Milton uses the term prince of darkness. Referring to Satan as the embodiment of evil. Now, I searched Scripture to see if I could find that term, the Prince of Darkness, but I couldn't find it in Scripture. So I guess it's a John Milton made up. But there are plenty of Scriptures that paint that light or paint that picture of Satan being darkness. In this world of darkness... In walks the hero, the hero of light, Jesus Christ, who gives himself the name, the light of the world. He enters the stage to shine his light and rescue us from this present darkness. When I was in maybe high school or college, I can't remember, there was a book out by Frank Peretti called This Present Darkness. You might remember it, it's ages ago now. But that's what it was about, about um, how we, there are evil forces in this world, spiritual forces that are trying to oppress us and, and keep us back in this present darkness. But God's light pierces through that and he's able to rescue us from it. So in scripture, it's common to find light and darkness as symbols of good and evil. In the first chapter of his gospel account, John, speaking of Jesus, reveals the purpose of God coming to earth as a human. And I've read that already, but let me repeat it. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it's clear in this scripture that light represents life. Light and life. And ultimately, eternal life through Jesus Christ. Darkness is the absence of light. That makes sense, right? Darkness is the absence of light. It has nothing on its own. Darkness is the lack of God. 
the lack of God. Darkness represents the power of evil and sin and unbelief in this world, all of which leads to eternal death. So if Jesus, the light of the world, leads us to eternal life, darkness leads to eternal death. John 3.19 puts it pretty well. John 3.19 says, This is the judgment, that the light, speaking of Jesus, the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. An attribute of light is that it reveals. It reveals. Any of you have one of those lighted magnifying mirrors in your bathroom? All right? It reveals, doesn't it? <laughs> okay? <laughs> Whether you like it or not, it reveals. <laughs> light reveals. The light reveals the truth of the matter that would be hidden without the light. In the absence of light. If people can get to the point where they desire to be changed, they will allow the light of God into their life to expose their evil deeds and lead them to life. The problem is, we're often comfortable in our sin, aren't we? We're comfortable in our sin and in the pleasure that it can bring. And we don't care to know the truth that is revealed through the light of God. The truth that the pleasure we may be enjoying in our sin is only temporary. The truth that the sin that we are enjoying for a time is killing us. We don't want to know that. We don't want that truth to be revealed by the light of God, so we don't allow God's light in our life. It's like when we don't want to flip over the package of that yummy package of donuts we're eating to read the ingredients on the back, right? If we, were, if that, if we revealed through the ingredient list what was in there, we would say, this is killing us, right? But we're enjoying it too much to want to be able to be exposed to the truth. And that's what light does. Light reveals the truth to us. And we're welcome to it. If we're open to it, it will help us to life. It will help us avoid the death that we're going to suffer through the sin that's in our life. God's light illumines and reveals things about ourselves that need to be changed. And not only that, He says, I'm the one that can change it. I'm the one that can change it. Give it to me. Jesus Christ came to bring the light of God's life into a spiritually dark and dying world. We just have to put ourselves in a position to receive that light. We have to put ourselves in a position to receive His light. Sin in our life is a dark place. But the darkness of sin will never have the capability of overcoming, as we read in John chapter 1, it will never have the capability of overcoming or extinguishing God's light. If we accept the light of Jesus into our lives, His life brings light to us. In His light, we see ourselves as we truly are, sinners in need of a Savior. 
He removes the darkness of sin from our lives. And when we are in the darkness of sin, we can't move. It's like because we can't see. We're, we're like trapped in this, right? We're moving around blindly. We're falling in sin. But when we allow the light of Christ to shine in our lives, we can walk without stumbling, without stumbling around in darkness, as uh, Moses said. His life brings light to us. I'm going to read a quote. I apologize I did not put the author on this, but I thought this was uh, good to read. It says, In Genesis, the creation of light was God's first creative move. Remember we read, we read in Genesis 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light, right? He just said it. Let there be light, and there was light. So this author says, In Genesis, the creation of light was God's first creative move. In the process of generating life, light was God's initial instrument for illuminating the dark and formless void. It was the inaugural instance of God shining light in the darkness. To initiate life, God started with light, with light. Our modern physicians know and utilize the benefits of sunlight for the health of our bodies. Did you know that? Probably you heard about it a lot over the last year about vitamin D, right? Now, um, our doctors tell us, you know, that sunlight helps our bodies make vitamin D, which is important to our bones and to our blood cells, but what we've been hearing mostly about lately is our immune system, right? It helps to boost our immune system so we can get a benefit to our body from the light that we receive from the sun because of that vitamin D production. Light can also be used for sanitizing purposes. Have you seen those commercials on TV? Right? There are these devices that use certain types of UV light to kill germs and serve as a disinfectant. Sunlight also helps boost a chemical in your brain called serotonin. Now, I'm getting all this from WebMD, so you can blame them if it's not right. No. Helps boost a chemical in your brain called serotonin, which can give you more energy and help keep you calm. Wow. Positive and focused. We need a little sunlight, don't we? Doctors use light therapy in the treatment of SAD patients. SAD, S-A-D, it actually stands for something. Seasonal Affective Disorder. So there are these patients, SAD patients, <laughs> patients who may experience depression due to decreased exposure to sunlight during certain times of the year and in certain parts of the world. And these SAD patients are treated with light therapy. With light therapy. Phototherapy also is used using filtered light for some skin conditions as eczema, psoriasis, and jaundice. Morning light is beneficial by helping to set your body's internal clock, which improves your sleep patterns and helps you get better sleep. Did you know that? Hmm. Interestingly, now listen to this one. 
Morning light may also impact your weight. Not W-A-I-T, W-E-I-G-H-T, your weight. All right, listen, you're listening now, aren't you? All right. Scientists believe that 20 to 30 minutes of morning light between 8 a.m. and noon may shrink fat cells below your skin surface, which can help you keep the fat off and control your weight. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Okay. You're getting, getting ahead of me now. Okay. So, of course, we know the dangers to our skin and to our eyes of too much exposure to sunlight. All right. It can cause uh, skin cancers and things like that and harm our eyes. But uh, a little bit goes a long way and helps us. Thankfully, unlike with natural sunlight, the too much of a good thing can hurt you idea does not apply to the light of the sun, Jesus Christ. There's nothing to worry about with high exposure to his light. With the light of Jesus, the more the better, right? Now, like our bodies, our earth would soon fall into ruin without light. Physical light is necessary for physical life. Plants depend on light. And we depend on plants for the air we breathe, right? Have you ever noticed how some plants move with the light? You got plants out on your back patio or whatever, and you'll see them here in the morning, and then they're coming over here in the middle of the day and over here at night. And they, they follow the, the sunlight, don't they? It's interesting. Plants are drawn to the light. In the same way, Spiritual light is necessary for spiritual life. And this can be a good test of our relationship with Christ. As believers, we should always tend toward spiritual things. We should be leaning in to Jesus, right? To His light. We should be leaning toward spiritual things such as fellowship with each other. Prayer, God's Word. On the contrary, the, the unbeliever always does just the opposite, which I read from John 3.19 earlier. Because light exposes his evil, and he hates the light. So let's continue in John here. John continues to focus on the theme of light and darkness throughout his gospel. In addition to our key text this morning, John 8, 12, where Jesus proclaims, I am the light of the world. Jesus also says in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And Jesus continues in John 9, verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So sorry I'm going fast. But y'all getting my passages here? That one was John 9, 5. In this I am the light statement of Jesus, it comes right before he heals a man born blind. And I want us to get into that scripture because there's the great parallel here. So we see again as we did with his I am the bread statement from last week, that Jesus not only says who he is, but he proves it illustratively, and in this case, miraculously. So let's read this miracle 
and Matthew 9. We'll read verses 1 through 11. Matthew 9, 1 through 11. Y'all there? All right. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Now that is awesome, and that could be a sermon in itself right there, but that will be for another time. Verse 5 says, Jesus goes on to say, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So here he's talking to his disciples, but remember this blind man is right here with him. In verse 6 he goes on to say, When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. That's the miracle. He came back seeing. Verse 8, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. Verse 10, So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed, and I received sight. Wow, that's a great story. A great miracle of Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world, brought light to this man's eyes. The healed blind man was a witness, as we read, a witness of what Jesus has done for him. Verse 10 and 11, it talks about that. I didn't read this one, but I'll skip down to verse 15. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight, and he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. He was a witness. Um, and verse 25, he then answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. This man was a witness of Jesus, the light of the world, causing him to be able to have light, causing him to be able to see. And then the last one, verse 30, he says, um, The man answered and said to them, well, here's an amazing thing that you do not know where he is from. And yet he opened my eyes. He opened my eyes. We also are to be witnesses of how Jesus has shown light into our lives. I was blind, but now I see. Does that sound familiar? I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. That's the story of amazing grace. The amazing grace of Jesus. We are witnesses. We testify how Jesus, the true light, opened our eyes and revealed that we're sinners in need of a Savior. 
and rescued us from darkness. And as witnesses, we reflect the true light and point people to Jesus, the true light, so that they too can receive His light and His life. So let's turn back as we get ready to close. Let's turn back to the first chapter of John. John chapter 1. We were in, verse, we were in chapter 9 just then. Let's flip back a little bit to chapter 1. I read verses 4 and 5 already. But let's begin with uh, verse 6. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. So here we have that word witness again, right? He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. So John here, John the Baptist, was not the light, but he came as a witness to the true light. And he pointed out who the true light was, didn't he? He said, Jesus. Jesus is the true light. So we, like John, like John the Baptist, are to be witnesses. We're not the true light, like John wasn't. But we testify about it and we're witnesses of it. We're witnesses of the true light. We merely reflect the true light, which is Jesus Christ. He has chosen us to reflect His light. He's chosen His followers to reflect His light to an unbelieving world. Now this idea of reflecting the light helps to explain why even though Jesus calls Himself the light of the world, He also assigns that name to His followers, the light of the world. You remember that passage in Matthew 5? Let's flip over to Matthew 5. This is going to be my last, last one, I promise. We're getting close to the end. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. This is Jesus speaking to His followers. He said, you are the light of the world. So we already read that he said, I am the light of the world, right? Now he's saying, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now remember when Jesus was there with the blind man and he was talking to his disciples. He said, while I am, this is John 9, 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Remember that. Now that he is not physically in this world with us, he's assigned us to be the light of the world. We are to reflect his light and point people to him. Let your light shine before men, it says. Reminds me of the song. I always have a song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
we let our light shine. Let your light shine before men. And said, you don't cover it up, right? You don't hide it under a basket or under a bushel, as song says. But you let it shine before men so that they may see. And they give glory to God, the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. Let's let his light shine in us to others. Can people, believers and unbelievers alike, can they see the light of Jesus in your life? Let's shine the light of Jesus for the whole world to see. His light means life. L-I-F-E. His light means life to all who will accept it. Jesus declared that those who believe in the light become sons and daughters of the light. Are you a child, are you a child of the light? Are you a child of the light? John 12, 36 says, Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. And according to the Apostle Paul, Christians have passed from darkness to light. We read in Ephesians 5, 8. Oh, I promised y'all I wasn't going to read another scripture, didn't I? Oh, 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 shame on me. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have a light. You have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. That's my challenge to you and to me, to us today. Live as people of light. Can we do that this morning? Amen. Let's stand together as the musicians come. And close us in a song. But be thinking about that. Can people see Jesus in me? Can people see the light of Jesus shining in me? We are called to shine the light of Jesus. We are called to be the light of the world. Once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Dear God, we're thankful for the light that we have in Christ. We're thankful that He illumined in our life and revealed to us that we're sinners and that we need a Savior. God, uh, we would be just dead men walking if that wasn't the case. God, um, You've come in and You've rescued us from that darkness. You've rescued us from the sin that separates us from our fellowship with God the Father. God, now we have life in that. We have life and we're thankful for it. God, thank you for that light. Help us to be the light to the world, pointing others to you so that they can also receive that life, that eternal life that you promised us through the Son. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a beautiful song to sing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, who is the light of the world.
say that um, that line that said the things of this world will grow dim. No, I think we get hung up on the things of this world too much and we want to hang on to them. And um, we feel like it's just what we got. It defines our life. It, it helps us to get through, but it's something that's killing us. And God's light wants to shine on that to say, let loose of it. Let loose of it. Maybe we found ourselves in a place where we're just comfortable in our sin. And we're like, oh, it's just the way I'm going to be. God's saying, no. <laughs> no, I want to help you with that. I want to give you life. And my light will shine on that. I want to say what I, I think I said at one point during the sermon. Put yourself in a place to receive the light that God has for you. And you'll experience the life of Him. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and close in prayer. And If anyone wants to come and, uh, and pray, you're welcome to. I'll stick around and pray with you if you'd like for me to. Uh, don't forget about uh, circles uh, coming up right after this and, um, and join in that fellowship time. Dear God, uh, we want to thank you again for the light, which is life for us. God, I pray if there's any here that are just blindly holding on to something that they think is satisfying them or that they think is just a pleasure for their life. God, help them to see that it's something that is separating them from the Father and that ultimately will lead to their death. God, we just pray that they will put themselves in a place to be able to receive your light and your life. That's your will. God, we pray that it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.